Investing into emerging markets was much talked about in the 1990s, but diverging economic pathways resulted in some regions faring better than others. Today, we're speaking to Valeria Vine, an investment specialist with the Capital Group, on her views on emerging markets today. Valeria, hi there. Good morning. Hello. How are you? Very good, thank you. Great to have you on this podcast today. Now, when we compare emerging markets in the 1990s to today, from your perspective, what are the key differences? It's a great question. Um, If we go back to 1981, when the term emerging markets was first invented, it referred to a small but fast-growing group of countries. In fact, um, in, in our Um, In our emerging markets portfolio in 1986, we only had four countries as the opportunity set was limited to really a few hundred companies. And most of them were cyclical industries like banks, commodities. Even 10 years ago, 25% of the EM index was in extractive industries. So energy, metals and mining, that sort of thing. Today, these industries are less than 10% of the index. And in fact, you know, the rise of mobile internet and the growing middle class in emerging markets enabled the growth of a whole generation of new companies in consumer-focused areas that really have revolutionized the opportunity set for EM investors. And some of these companies are you know, global leaders now in areas like social media, semiconductor manufacturing, mobile payments, gaming. So it's an entirely different opportunity set now than it was you know, back in the 1980s. Right, I see. So brand new opportunities, in fact, for investors. Indeed. (laughs) Now, in your white paper, interestingly, I noticed that healthcare is one of the 10 themes you note. Now, whilst, of course, COVID is the main news story of today, what, what are some of the structural issues that emerging markets are facing and what opportunities could this hold for investors? So you're quite right. It's one of one of our key themes that we believe has incredible growth opportunities in emerging markets. If we think about um, in the past, you know, several years ago, healthcare companies in emerging markets were really focused on the production of of cheap generic drugs. But what we're seeing now is research-focused, well-run, innovative biotechnology companies. So Beijing, for example, um, it's a Chinese biotech company. It has developed a drug to treat mantle cell lymphoma it ran clinical trials in China, and in 2019, they actually received a US FDA approval to sell this drug in the US. Right? So that's something that you know, 10 to 15 years ago would probably be unheard of. Right? And these developments, they're not by accident. Right? There are supply and demand factors that are driving this. So if we think about the demand side, firstly, you know, we have a number of countries in emerging markets which have you know, rapidly rising incomes, right? And people want to have better quality he- uh, healthcare in these situations. And when you put in the sort of rapid urbanization, pollution, more sedentary lifestyles and changing diet patterns, you know, all these create you know, long-term demand for, uh, for healthcare in emerging markets. And then if you think about China, well, China has now an aging population. Already nearly one in four people aged 60 or over Um, in the world lives in China. So the demand is certainly there. And then on the supply side, the Chinese government is very keen to encourage local innovation in the space. They really want to create homegrown champions through supportive regulation, tax breaks. 
but also encouraging Chinese PhDs to return home and start these businesses. So, you know, the, the opportunity sets in healthcare is very, very exciting. Now, of course, we can't really have this podcast without discussing COVID and the associated lockdown. And, and of course, this has really profoundly changed the methods and patterns of consumption in emerging markets such as China, hasn't it? I think it has. I think COVID had, had, has had an incredible impact on, on everybody in this world and all our daily lives. You know, if we think about some trends around, um, let's say, commerce, digital payments, even luxury spending, right? There, there's been a, a significant growth in them over the last several years and sort of the runway we could see for, for many, many years ahead. But these, these sectors were... Um, had experienced an incredible impact from from COVID, right? If we think about sort of con the conversion from cash payments to digital payments uh, and, the, and the growth of, of e-commerce, now th that sort of thing really received a boost as people had to adapt very, very rapidly. And once um, once everyone's tried the conveniences of online shopping, well, it's it's unlikely that they will fully revert back to old habits when 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 COVID passes. Then you have travel-related companies, right? So, you know, a number of the of these companies have really suffered during the pandemic. But if you take a long-term view, uh, there are incredible opportunities there, right? So before COVID-19, around 150 million people in Asia traveled for the first time each year. And only 20% of the global population have ever been on an airplane. So... You know, the valuations for some of these are now depressed and for, for, the, for the reasons of the risks that we're seeing in the market. But there are interesting opportunities, particularly, you know, around sort of regional uh, or domestic travel. And then if we look at um, other sectors such as luxury goods, well, here the consumption patterns have shifted. So you know, in China, well, China has been a key growth market for luxury goods for many years. But typically, 60 to 70% of luxury spending is done abroad, so when traveling, so in Europe, Japan, and so on. However, with COVID, traveling hasn't really been possible, so there's been a repatriation of uh, luxury spending back to mainland. People can't travel, um, and so they're spending more on these items at home, essentially. So, you know, so, some industries have benefited, some industries have, uh, have been able to adapt, Others are perhaps still in the, in the early stages of, um, of recovery in this area. Interesting to hear you talk about travel. Do you think that we could be hopeful that travel will return back to normal within this year? I think within this year is probably quite optimistic. I think travel is rebounding, particularly in, um, in North America, for instance. Um, in China, there has been um, a significant rebound in domestic travel. I think until we have more of the world's population fully vaccinated, travel is likely to stay either domestic or within, within the region. So there will be some travel bubbles and corridors, but perhaps less so in the transatlantic routes and things like that. Right. So I know that you made a list of 10 things, didn't you, within your white paper, uh, of which we've just run through those three there. Are there any others that stand out in your mind as being very important? Well, there are there are many, as as, as you say, there are um, there are ten, and of course we are very excited about all of them. And if you think about, um, I think I think one of the really important ones is really financialization in emerging markets, right? So if we take an example of um, India or Indonesia, 
you know, these countries have rapidly rising demands for financial services, right? They will need to get loans to open businesses. They would need to get mortgages to buy housing as their incomes rise and so on. And a lot of these populations are still underbanked. So there are, you know, there are opportunities in, in, in these areas. Um, another one is insurance. So if we think back to the SARS pandemic um, you know, a few years ago now, but that's really when we saw the demands for insurance in Asia start to start to develop and hit that inflection point. That's something that we probably can expect now as well, as COVID-19 has had a significant impact on all of us. We, would, we are likely to see more people um, demand sort of life insurance products uh, and look at savings and really saving for rainy day and, and, and retirement as well. Now, you've mentioned China a few times there. Are, are you optimistic that India will also return to growth this year? Um, yes, I think so. I think it seems that they are, they've, they've hit the... How do you say that the height of the of the pandemic and the and the case numbers are starting to reduce? So I think we can be optimistic that India should hopefully return to growth by the end of the year. Okay, now I know that uh, investors often want to talk about the long term. In, in the light of what you've said today, what should their approach be to emerging markets? That's a great question. So, uh, you know, there, there are so many exciting opportunities um, in, in EM, you know, really fascinating companies. And these companies appear because there are better growth prospects. You know, we have younger populations. We have rising incomes in, this, uh, in these countries. There's urbanization. So the opportunities are really there, right? And the good thing is that the valuations are also attractive, especially compared to developed markets. But I think... In EM, you really have to do your homework, right? So we believe that, well, everywhere fundamental research is key. You really have to be very, very selective, um, but particularly so in emerging markets. And, and you really have to take a long-term approach as well because emerging markets can be a little bit more volatile than developed markets. So not, not always for the faint-hearted. <laughs> no, but you know, if you, if you pick the right companies, you should do well. Fantastic. Valeria Vine, thank you very much. Tune in next month for a new episode of the podcast with the Capital Group, Investing for the Long Term. This communication is of a general nature and not intended to provide investment advice or to be a solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Statements attributed to an individual represent the opinions of that individual and may not necessarily reflect the view of Capital Group or its affiliates. Emerging markets are volatile and may suffer from liquidity problems.